Hello, and welcome back to the the inner sanctum of the Moth Sanctuary, uh, where we go a little bit behind the scenes and give you some insight as to how uh, some of the stories from the Penny Dreadful series have come together. I'm Andrew. I'm Chloe. And today we're going to be looking at uh, one of Chloe's stories from the second season, uh, one that's actually proven to be very popular um, in this in the last few months. Thanks, guys. And that's uh, the Witch Elm. I'm a big fan of this story and have been since the since your first original idea. Um, but it progressed in a way which I really wasn't expecting. So I'm really fascinated and, and intrigued to get into into the story today. But quickly, if you can just give us a brief overview of uh, of the story. So in the Witch Elm, um, a young evacuee gets taken out of her home and sent to the countryside because of World War Two. She is landed in a big farmhouse with a very stern matronly figure. Um, she develops a f- strange fascination with this witch elm tree, which stands on a hill overlooking like the whole of the village and, and all of the farmland and all of the estates around it. And ultimately, her obsession with this tree leads to some very dark places. So what, what's, the, what's the background or what was your, your inspiration for this story? Because I know, that, I know that this is something that you've been thinking about for a while. So, so what kind of gave you the, the impetus or the starting point uh, for this story? There's an urban legend um, from the West Midlands area of the UK. And there was a piece of graffiti that kept appearing in places in and around Birmingham and the Black Country, which basically had the words, who put Bella in the witch elm, mm. scrawled across statues and things like that. And there was this this kind of urban legend that Bella was um, the, the skeleton of a woman that was found inside a tree on um, some farmland out in Hagley in Worcestershire. And there were loads and loads of different theories as to who Bella was. Some people thought that she was a prostitute who got murdered by one of her clients. Some people think that she was a German spy. But nobody really knows who Bella is, who she was. As far as I know, if you do know anything about it, please correct me. But as far as I know, her her murder went unsolved. Um, But yeah, like years later, this graffiti just appeared in places saying who put Bella in the witch elm. And I've always had a kind of fascination with this idea of a body just being stuck in a tree and, you know, how it got there and, and what could possibly have happened to that person. So that's kind of where the original idea came from, although it ended up going in a very different direction. But how did that develop? How did how did the how did you go from what the the urban legend was to what ultimately ended up being in the story? If if that was your jumping off point, how did the how did these things progress? Well, I really liked the idea of this tree having a sort of magnetic pull on people. Um, which is why I kind of wanted it to be in a prominent position, like up on a hill, sort of overlooking surveying its kingdom beneath um so i liked the idea that this tree has this kind of magnetism that draws people towards it and then i kind of had to come up with a motivation for that i was like okay so this tree's got got this this draw for people 
what does the tree want from the people? And I, I ended up kind of delving into this idea that, you know, the bones of the person that were in this tree are trying to get out. And the one thing that she doesn't have anymore is a body. So what she wants is to get a living body close enough to her skeleton, essentially, to kind of steal their body, a bit of a body snatchers moment. Mm. So that's essentially where the story ended up going. Um, so yeah, so I kind of used the whole Bella in the Witch Elm thing as a jumping off point and ended up going somewhere altogether more mystical and witchy. How did it get to the, where, or where did the witch element come from? So obviously I know that uh, it has obviously the similar words in the Witch Elm mm -hmm. and a witch as well, but but where did the, the actual figure of the witch come from? Why, why, was, that, um, why was that the direction that you chose to go in? I mean, for me, I just love witches and witchy stuff and dark magic. I find all of that really fascinating and I, I like writing about it because it's fun. Um, but there was a particular thing, actually. So um, I liked the idea of incorporating sort of elements of folklore. So in the story, the, the body in the tree for me is completely intact, except she's missing a hand. And there is um, a talisman called a hand of glory which essentially you would take the hand or cut the hand off of somebody who'd been hanged for a crime and you would then create a talisman with this hand um, which can have disastrous consequences. It can make people fall into a sleep that they never wake up from um, and all these kind of horrible things. So I, I liked the idea of incorporating that kind of magical element in that when they actually do discover the body inside the tree, she's everything's there except for this hand. And then that kind of causes this panic around the townspeople that, you know, it must be a witch. It's, you've got to destroy it. You know, it's, it's, it's dark magic. You've got to stay away from it. Hmm. So yeah, this, this idea of, of the kind of the hand being the key to the whole thing I found really interesting and that's the theme that I kind of took through the story as well so when um when the character touches the tree that's when kind of everything starts and she starts to get these black marks on her hand and and all of those kinds of things so I liked that that kind of symbolism that this hand of glory runs through the story as well giving it this this mystical element and one of the things I really like as well is the, is the fact that it's got it's got this really lovely embedded story that's waiting to be told because how did this witch figure get into the tree in the first place? Mm. Did she put herself in there? Was she forced in there with the rest of the town by the rest of the townspeople or, or their relatives? Or is this sort of like a sordid, you know, secret that the that the town knows about? Yeah, it's almost like an unspoken thing, like all of the characters in the story in the town kind of know about the tree. Mm. It's so when this outsider comes in and she's really fascinated by it, they all kind of know that this is bad and this is going to go wrong and that she's got to stay away from it. Yeah. Um, but obviously she's just so fascinated by, by something that's so different from what her life was like previously living in, you know, a city that was being bombed you know, for her to be just out in this endless countryside and this mm. absolutely huge, terrifying looking tree, she just can't keep away from it. And I like the fact that there's this sort of community of 
of women who've been left behind by their husbands who've gone off to war. They're there to, you know, to run the town and to protect everyone. And they've stepped up into the, these sort of really strong roles. And I, I like the fact that although the the witch and the tree are, are the ones that are seen to have like this terrifying power. I also love the fact that the community has like just as strong a, a will and a force in this story as all of the the magical elements and all of the scary stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and again, from from your original concept, that was something that I wasn't expecting because uh, obviously you told me the story treatment before we went ahead and, and wrote it, and. In my mind, I, I had an idea of how that was going to go. And I thought, oh, right, this is going to be, you know, a very quick sort of um, single person story uh, talking about the, the draw that they're feeling going towards this tree, maybe even charting their way through the through the woods. And I actually, the, the score for the piece, um, I actually started planning based upon that concept. So it was really interesting to see how that, developed from what I thought was going to be this very sort of uh, small insular piece and broadening out and getting all of these extra characters in and, and wonderful, wonderfully realized characters in as well. But still having that score concept still ring true. Mm, yeah, initially still... it was always going to be like just this one sort of singular focus story. And I think, again, it seems to happen to me all the time is that characters kind of just write themselves mm, and yes. i remember when i was writing the scene when she arrives in town and basically like the, you know, the kids are being paraded out in front of the townspeople for them to you know claim one and take them take them home with them to take care of them and i i just had this vision of Anne dowd and i'm like yeah <laughs> that's that's her that that's who i want that's that's my matriarch so Anne, if you if you're listening if you ever want to do a tv adaptation you're a shoo-in <laughs> yeah, you heard, you heard it here first. Uh, Anne Dowd is, <laughs> is the front runner for, and I, I, you know, but I think that's a really that's a really uh, apt piece of casting, though. You can you can absolutely see the character. <laughs> there's a come scene. Through. There's a scene that I wrote into it where, kind of, as, as you're getting to the climax of the story, you've got all of the the women kind of standing on top of the hill where this tree is. And the wind's howling around and, and I can just see Anne Dowd standing there with like her hair sort of billowing in the wind coming out of its usual tight bun going, do you know what a hand of glory is? <laughs> and <laughs> lecturing this poor girl. Um, but yeah, I just love the idea of having this really sort of strong, forceful, but also really likable character. And yeah, I just I just had Anne Dowd in my head and, and she wrote herself. <laughs> Would you say that's your favourite part of the story? This, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. This this windswept uh dramatic climax. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Brandishing an axe. Yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And and so like for this one then, like what's what's scary about this one to you? Like obviously it's it's quite it's quite chilling and there's some some developments in there that are um quite gruesome and brutal. But for you, like, what what's the scary element of it? I think with this one, it's the lengths that people will go to hmm. is what's really scary. So the fact that the girl knows that it's dangerous and she knows that there's this force at work, which is, you know, if not malevolent, just unknown and scary. And yet she still insists on defying everybody and putting herself in danger because she she wants to satisfy her curiosity mm. the fact that 
the the woman who was inside the tree will stop at nothing to get her freedom back and then the idea that the women in this community will do anything to try and stop that yes this whole idea that everybody just doesn't know doesn't have a limit no they'll they'll do whatever they think it takes to to satisfy what they want or to do what they think is right mm. regardless of the consequences and i think that's kind of a bit of a scary look at human nature yeah absolutely and and i think each each party's motivations are clearly understood as well and i think that's that's part of the both the the enjoyment of the story but also the the horror of it is the fact that you can understand where these people are coming from mm, and how um, far would they go yeah and and each believing that they're doing what is right for them um and and yeah uh, and i think as well what you were saying there i think that that kind of ties into what we were mentioning about how these townspeople may have been involved in getting this witch in the tree in the first place mm. because what, what what wouldn't they do to to stop these violent or horrible acts yeah. how happening? did she get there who's exactly. got her hand exactly yeah exactly it's, prob it's probably you it's know, in a kitchen drawer somewhere yeah in one of the townspeople's <laughs> attics or something just slowly moldering away um excellent well yes well thank you for thank you for sharing your your insight onto that one and onto what is a standout episode i think in this latest season from... also i think one of the best scores that you've produced for any of the stories oh. very very different from i think what we've heard before but I agree. so fitting I yeah i it. think i think that's that's kind of the lovely thing about this one was the fact that uh it was all based around the tree itself so mm -hmm. that sort of magnetic you know um pulsing tone was the crux of, of where the score comes from and then everything else builds out around it just like in the story how the the whole reason for everything to move as it does is the the hypnotic uh, nature of this tree so mm. there's is a little bit of um score and story working in synergy <laughs> so uh so yeah but that one was that was a, a lot of fun to to make that's probably one of my favorites that i've made this series as well and then we're just going to cap this off with our bonus question, which is just <laughs> a question outside of the realm of us and our stories um, that looks at uh, something within the horror genre as a whole. And this is for us both to, uh, to answer. So today's question is, what's your favorite horror subgenre? Ooh. Mm. Oh, see, that's a tricky one. There's just so much to choose from yeah. as well. I feel like I have the most affection for classic monster movies. Right. So like your Frankenstein, your Wolfman, those kind, like the universal like monster movies. The creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, I have a real like nostalgic affection for those movies. I think partly, partly that must come from my dad because my dad loves you know all of those kind of really old films and then i've rediscovered them as an adult and they're still utterly charming and brilliant and excellent to watch they still hold up they, they, they really still do hold up. especially frankenstein and the bride of frankenstein yes they are like top tier monster movies and i would argue the creature from the black lagoon as well yeah i mean that one it's kind of got a message that's a little bit ahead of its time yeah phantom of the opera not so much no. <laughs> no well, there's a reason that one. <laughs> there's a reason that nobody really talks about that in the same revered tones, do they? Yeah. 
But no, I think that that's probably, if I had to pick one, that is probably my favourite. But I do, I, I really like folk horror as well. Mm. But folk horror really scares me. I was going to say, folk horror is a very different type of horror. Cause yeah. Your classic monsters are enjoyable because of the of the characters of the monsters and they can be charming and they can be kind of scary but also kind of goofy yeah um, there's a sweetness and, a, and an innocence to it i suppose yeah, and naivety whereas folk horror um like blood on satan's claw the wicker oh, man i was gonna say the original wicker man scarred me yeah <laughs> um i mean even even recently with the witch i mean yeah. there's just something about folk horror that has a very sinister undertone and i think it makes for exceptional films Mm. like the the witch is absolutely incredible it's a brilliant film i never want to see it again (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah no i I think you know i've I've seen it a couple of times and you know it never gets never gets easier to watch be that the human interaction or the the violence or the, the supposed or the the suspected supernatural happenings mm-hmm. yeah it never gets easier see for me ever since i was a child i've loved a haunted house story i've always been a sucker for something about ghosts i, I don't know why it is but See, I, I think it's the gothic tendency. Certainly the gothic tendency. But a haunted I, I, house is like prime, prime gothic horror, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, that's, that's where I find I get most excited. And I, I, it's the potential that's within it as well, both for the visuals of the house, the visuals of the ghost, the potential for the story. Because, you know, even, even with the amount of haunted house stories there are out there, there seems to be a great variety of mm. stories to be told within that environment. And, what, and... What's your favourite haunted house story? Oh my! <laughs> I really enjoy things like, say, the haunting of Hill House, which is kind of your quintessential haunted house story. But then, equally, something like uh, Crimson Peak, where you add a little bit more of the the sinister nature from the human element mm. rather than just from the old ghosts you know the ghosts in that are are representing the past mm. so they they can't hurt you they're not going to be doing any damage to you it's it's the human element so i liked that blending um but gosh there's there's just and hill two. house is exceptional in in all its forms isn't it because shirley jackson's original book is a masterpiece i loved it but then the tv show is also a masterpiece. Yeah. If for a very different reason. For a very different reason and in its own right. And I think I think the, the and it's one just thing they got beautiful. I was gonna say the visuals they, they got really right. I think um, both the, the the aesthetic overall was really pretty to look at, mm-hmm. but equally the sheer horror when you see the tall man and the oh, bent neck lady. The tall man. The absolute terror you feel when yeah. you actually see the the yeah. monsters in there is oh, chilling. Because yeah, the, the bent neck lady is the one that everyone talks about and the one that really gave everybody the willies. But the tall man, he will always be the scary <laughs> one. Yeah, he's the scary <laughs> one for me. As soon as I saw him, it was an instant nope. Yeah. Um, but and in the, the best characters way. in 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 the 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 Netflix version of Hill House were just incredible too. Like the Crane siblings, I think the way that all of them 
were portrayed and the way they all had their own sort of interweaving story was just just fantastic yeah it was, and it was theo crane who doesn't love theo absolute babe <laughs> yes yeah, so that was our favorite horror subgenres. thank you very much for listening uh, i hope that you gained some insight into how the witch elm and was... how we spend our evenings and how <laughs> we spend watching our evenings. a lot of netflix watching a lot of horror on netflix um as, as I'm sure you all do as well. Uh, but yes, so this has been the Witch Arm episode. Thank you very much for sharing your insights, Chloe. Uh, and until next time, I'm Andrew. I'm Chloe. And we'll see you then.